0: This is Overdrive Radio, I'm your host, Todd Bill, and today we're talking truck parking. Some of the insights on parking advocacy and brass tacks on highway planning delivered as part of the parking panel we hosted at the Great American Trucking Show in August. You probably saw Overdrive's James Gillette's report on the panel last month, but this bit of audio gives you a window into the discussion. Valuable for anyone, I'd imagine, who has to think hard about parking along their lanes, most of you in this current post-ELD mandate environment, I believe also, what would you think about parking for a 10-hour break at a truck dedicated, secure facility on the side of a NASCAR track? After the selected panel excerpts, you'll hear part of a conversation I had with a member of the audience at that panel, Houston-based Snyder National Leased Operator, Rodney Zielkowski, who proffered a novel idea for adding parking capacity to, in a variety of areas around the country, the notion of partnering with racetrack facilities to utilize suitable space there for the purpose. At this point, it's just an idea, but the operator is hopeful to spark a discussion of its viability and welcomes any point of view on that and, well, how to proceed to bring something like it to some kind of fruition. For that, though, let's drop into the show floor at the Great American Trucking Show, in the stage where owner-operators Gary Books and Desiree Wood, among others, join moderator and former owner-op Scott Greener of truck-specialized parking services for a discussion of parking advocacy, options for new infra- infrastructure, planning, and more. First up, we'll hear from sometime Overdrive Extra contributing blogger and Landstar leased owner-operator Books, who ran through the variety of tools in his parking toolbox.
1: I am big on safety. I want to go home safe. I want people around me to go home safe. You know, if that load's a little bit late, that's fine. We got there safe. You know, like we often, my friends experience will say, If they needed it that quick, why didn't they ship it yesterday or a day early You to rather than pressure us? So use the tools available, plan where I'm gonna stop, plan where I'm gonna have my day. The other thing I do a great deal of, and I, I have studied, I've worked hard to understand the hours of service. I use the eight and two split. It's the tool available. It's a tool in my toolbox. People say, well, I wanna stop for a couple hours and rest before i go through chicago let the traffic clear i can't do that yes you can you can stop for two hours take a shower take a nap get something to eat relax let the traffic clear when you get on the other side stop for eight guess what you haven't lost any time you, you're not going to get all your hours back but you learn to roll you learn to manage it when you get to your customer if you're not actively involved in the the process of unloading, loading, or servicing that load, you can take that two two hour break again. Again, roll your hours. That allows you to better manage your parking. That allows you better opportunities to be more flexible. The, The other point is the new ruling for personal conveyance from the FMCSA, it's so new. We really haven't seen the positive effects of this. That flexibility added in those rules are going to negate a lot of our issues and problems if people learn it, use it properly, don't abuse it, and company management and, and the, the load coordinators, the customers, the people, we have to educate them on how they use it. The company management has a responsibility to learn these hours of service and our options just as much as we do. I find that that is lacking. It's very hard to understand the office of service.
0: Is, there, um, is everybody familiar with the changes to personal conveyance?
1: Okay, yeah. Joe says no. Uh, in about the last 30 days, the FMCSA has ruled that if if we are um, in a situation, whether loaded, empty, hooked to our trailer, doesn't matter, If that we may move off-duty driving to a safe haven or the nearest practical safe. We, we don't have to go in the opposite direction of our next delivery or pickup. The goal is, it is our personal need to go park safely.
0: The following voice you'll hear be advised is that of parking panel moderator at GATS, former owner-operator and truck-specialized parking services consultant Scott Greener, making reference to the prior day's panel, with FMCSA reps around electronic logging devices, the hours of service, and recent guidance changes around use of personal conveyance. You'll hear if again a little later in the podcast,
2: too.
3: And I'll add right. that yesterday they flat out said, using that example, right on the other end of the gear, they flat out said, if you are delayed at a super or a receiver, you run out of hours, absolutely what Gary just said, that came right out of Joe D. Renzel's mouth, and that's the person that matters we all hope the roadside enforcement also says the same thing too, but we won't go there right now.
1: So that is a huge tool in our toolbox. That's like a big hammer for us. Now understanding it, maybe having a printed copy of it in your truck because it is new may be beneficial. My experience with state police and inspectors are they really are more up on these rules than many of us want to accept. So, uh Find the tools that work for you. I like to say, my son taught me this when he came out of officer training for the Army. He said, Dad, I I have to learn to stay in my lane. I need to do my job and focus on what I have in front of me. If I get distracted by the guy over here, I'm gonna mess up my job. So if I'm driving my truck, if I'm trying to park and I'm worried about what other people are doing, it sounds a little selfish at first. But if I do it right, that gives the opportunity for others to do it right. One of the other points I'd like to make, and we've all discussed this we get around the counter knowledge in, in meetings, <laughs> truck drivers, we need to be more courteous to the places we park. Stop throwing the trash out and, and take care of it. If there's something on the ground, pick it up, throw it away, whatever. The other management tool I want to go back to real quick because I kind of skipped over. One of the first things I do when I get a loan order or whatever, I call my customers. I ask, is there parking? You'd be surprised people don't do that. More, The majority of customers either will allow parking if you call and ask in a courteous way ahead of time or if they do not have the room, they will have some ideas of where you can park to service their account. They know that that is money. That is gonna cost them. They talked several times about the lack of parking hurting capacity, which costs the customer more. Take your opportunity to educate when you go into places courteously. Don't complain, but educate your customer. Educate the customer on the phone. Ask them when you take the load. You know and, and be aware of what you're doing use the satellite views to find these places look at your customer look at the parking lot see what's next door you talk about the, the parking space off the interstate if you're concerned take a satellite view of the area where you might need to stop and if there's a business there call them I've called businesses to use it as a safe haven and I've had them say yeah, you can park. Park on the left side, back, you know. Try not to block anybody, you know. Please don't throw your stuff out. I call the Walmart if I want to park there. I ask for someone in charge. I walk my business card into the business and I say, here I am. It's got my picture on the back, my truck. They know what it looks like. Here's my phone number on here. If there is any issue the time I'm here, please contact me. And I have never had an issue. I've never been asked to get up and leave, move, whatever. As long as they know who it is, what we're doing, that we are professional about it. That is a huge part of what we have to do. And that is just education. That is common courtesy. I'm sure I'm forgetting something that maybe I do, but. Uh, You're saying it
3: takes a little bit of work. It and takes work. Priority it does. It does. Priority, it can't,
1: parking can't be an off afterthought. It can't be the, hey, I'm 30 minutes from running out of my time. Where am I going to park? If you do that, you are going to create a huge problem for yourself and the public.
3: Yeah, you're, 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 remi- yeah, you're reminding me, Gary, of a, a t-shirt I got years ago that uh, it says if your only tool is a hammer, all your problems look like nails. You know, like, And it's that idea you've got to look and see, okay, this worked this time. Well, okay, I didn't need to a parking spot this time. Now I need to go to my next method I could use. And uh, absolutely, that, that all put together is, I think I used every single thing you mentioned You know, out there on the road, definitely. Except they didn't have a business card. But I would just walk in and with a piece of paper and where I was writing down my directions on it use that same piece of paper, write down my tractor, number, my trailer, number, the color of my tractor, anything I could so it wouldn't get uh, thrown out of the way or, uh, same thing works with Bobtail. Out uh, at places that say you can't drop your trailer, a lot of them if you just do that, they'll let you actually even, um, do that, so.
0: The other owner-operator on the panel, in addition to books, was independent Desiree Wood, based in Florida. Wood concurred with judgments of the efficacy of some of the tactics employed by books, and when he was an owner operator himself, greener.
4: Um, and I agree with you. I do some of the same things when I put the note when I'm parking someone, my phone number, and all of that stuff, and I agree. But I hope everybody can see it takes a lot of work. This is like a whole other part of your job that's very time consuming. Um, and the transit time that he talked about, I actually do like a lower number, and shippers and receivers don't. So they, they're scheduling the loads for a different transit time. And when you're a company driver, you, you don't have a lot of choice. Uh, they say you got to be there at a certain time, like an owner-operator. I say, I'm not going to make it by then. This is what I'm going to make it. So it's a little bit different situation, and that's what, another reason shippers and receivers need to be aware of a transit time, like he mentioned right there. Don't, don't book a load uh, for something that's going to be a transit time of 65 miles an hour. It's not going to happen. Um,
0: owner-operator Wood shifted back to a larger part of the discussion that day regional MPOs as she notes or metropolitan planning organizations and how drivers with their specialized knowledge of areas of need when it comes to truck parking can be a particular benefit to such organizations as they do research that plays into state and local governments directing funds toward infrastructure development that includes truck parking I
4: wanted to really say something and reiterate what everyone else has said with the MPOs be specific I saw that the same thing everywhere one word answer that's not going to help we need like specific this is where the problem is this is where we need to fix it we've had some MPOs that have responded to us when we sent letters to them and some of us responded um, responded to us and blew us off and then when they got the grant there was no truck parking in it so as for the community outreach for the drivers to go to the meetings, I've done that myself here in Texas, as a matter of fact. And it went really well, in, 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 and it resulted in somebody there writing me that I connected to Nicole. So it was really a good um, little hour-long thing I took out of my day to go do. I encourage more drivers, learn about the MPO in your state, in your city. If they're having a meeting, go there, introduce yourself, and whatever they're talking about, say, could we bring up truck parking? Have you all ever seen trucks parked on the side of the roads? I want to tell you what that's about. And, and it really it really does help a lot.
3: And I want to throw this on here for my community to respond to this. Also, I'm thinking too, the fact that where you live, you obviously have people who are directly accountable to you and your municipality, Well also, you might also have to be an expert at where you're picking up and delivering all the time. I can tell you, I know Nashville really well, really well. I rode my bike all over the place from the TA there. Um, And so if I showed up at an MPO meeting there, I've got valuable knowledge there too. So Mike, I'm curious, even if you have someone from out of town that comes in all the time, picking up loads, hauling loads out, that would be a great input as well too, right?
0: Green Earth was directing that question to panel participant Mike Johnson of the North Central Texas Council of Regional Governments, uh, the, the Metropolitan Planning Organization uh, covering the North uh, North Texas Dallas area, where uh, where the Great American Trucking Show was held. Here's Mike Johnson. You guys
3: are the experts. We're just trying to funnel data into a uh, contrary thing that we can then turn into yes, this needs to happen. So. The more more you share with us, the more uh, meetings, all that stuff, the more we do, the more information you give, it will result in something.
4: If you do go to one of these meetings, maybe bring a solution with you. And one of the solutions we learned in the Truck Parking Coalition meetings over the past uh, couple years was the Elmira example and the Weed California example, right? I don't know if everybody knows about that. But these are two towns where they started seeing so much truck traffic landing up in their little town. And um, instead of running us out of town and having residents come protest us, they found a solution. One was a free solution and one was a, a, a very nominal fee solution. And I'll, I'll give you the overview. You might have more specific details if you remember. The idea was to they, they created a little holding yard for the truckers to park. One was free. Um, The other city did one for $5 a night, which is nothing. And it ended up being so successful, I think both of them ended up expanding and one one of the $5 lot, it ended up generating so much revenue. They were like, this is an awesome idea. We have this like empty space. You might bring that to your town. Somebody might see that. Now, obviously the rise of paid parking is very controversial to drivers, but I know recently, I live in Palm Beach County, South Florida. It is not a. Um, it is not a uh, poor community, and my trailer got hijacked at my local supermarket while it was attached to the tractor. The place that I could pay to park, um, actually not as safe as where I parked. So, you know what? I, what my my thoughts after what that happened? Where there was cameras there, there was um, lights there. Um, It really shouldn't have happened, but maybe more community awareness um, with law enforcement that we're staging to go into Miami, Uh, maybe more uh, community partnerships with other supermarket chains or uh, northern distribution centers to stage to go in there. I know the real estate's expensive in South Florida, but uh, somebody that also maybe would be a good person to bring in these conversations is the insurance industry because cargo theft um, is something that
3: they're having to pay the price for. And to your point there too with this, we're talking about being involved in local communities that if you go in there with the offering solutions, um, two things with that. One is you may even be able to suggest, hey, there's an old spot over there that nobody's using anymore. I can tell you from experiences recently, places are looking for good opportunities to say, where is our spot that we could put truck parking? where you won't have such a big issue with Not My Backyard, which I know you've all seen the headlines of, you know, so-and-so truck stop. Well, these days, it's usually loves, you know, expanding as much as they have. Wants to move in, people say no. All well, but if you know a spot in an industrial park, in an area, that's, again, where you can show up at these meetings for MPOs, the freight advisory committees, or just email and just call them if you can. And, you know, that's an opportunity to get that input. And, um, and then also, like you said, the looking at, those opportunities too, and you mentioned specifically Florida. There, like I know the state of Florida, they're looking for innovative places to park and looking at utilizing like a park and ride lot to be turned into a truck parking area. So I mean, they're looking for things, they're trying things, and having extra ammo back there uh, goes for it. Yep, one more mic and we'll get some questions over. I, I, I just wanted to piggyback on that. Like when Loves is trying to build something in a town or by you, go to that meeting and be an advocate for that. You know, there's going to be people out there saying, you know, not in my backyard, say negative things. Get there and say positive things. Why, you know, why we want good truck parking. And you really want to work on people, maybe a little bit cynical, but the financial benefits of, of a place like a loves has always been a, you know, impact the city the most. So. And the fact that the people will not be parking where they're not supposed to be parking and tearing up the shoulders of the roads things like that. Absolutely.
4: Let, let me. The, the, we, I brought this up at the meeting we had in Washington, DC. I had just come from a, a truck stop in South Carolina where they have a bowling alley and they have um, a Quaker steak and lube part of the truck stop. And uh, I saw a whole family, local family having their Sunday breakfast there. And uh, the next day I saw a whole family having their child's birthday party there at the truck stop. When have you ever seen somebody take their kid birthday party? The place is hopping for the local community, but it's clean, it's well lit, it is my favorite place to land up. But this very same chain is can be some of the worst locations as well. So there's opportunities when the truck stops coming to town to be a little bit more creative with the franchises that they're putting in there to make it kind of a, a hot spot in the town. It has a bowling alley too, but I don't know if I said that. So, um, you know, you have to be a little bit creative. I mean, I just said that to Todd right now. Let's have some cold-pressed juice. Let's let's start having some creativity of what you're offering there, and I think that could help, um, and the revenue generation.
0: Cold-pressed juice indeed, one of several sorts of modest proposals for increasing the local palatability of and options for parking for truckers passing through that would and others have proffered as a way of mitigating the NIMBY problem when it comes to truck parking development all around the nation. While much of the panel at GATS centered around advocacy for public type solutions to the problems, moments like this where private stop development were front and center held perhaps the most interest. Among attendees was trucker Rodney Zielkowski, as I mentioned up top. He brought a novel idea to the table in conversation after the event. The idea is one that in the right hands, with the cooperation of the right businesses, could well serve a dual purpose. Increasing options options for longer-term parking while raising trucking's profile further among fans of high-profile motorsports. Here's Ziokowski. In a conversation he and I had a few weeks back on the phone, he describes the mostly night driving operation and how a shift in the flow of trucks in and out of truck stops and rest areas has newly impacted his own attempts to park in some areas. In the wake of mandated ELDs. Also take note, our conversation was happening after Hurricane Florence's landfall near Wilmington, North Carolina. In which the charlotte motor speedway had opened up its rock city campground to evacuees coming inland from
5: the coast i'm from houston texas i'm an independent contractor for snyder national uh, i've been Good. driving for about six and a half seven years uh dry van or uh, intermodal <clears throat> uh i pick where i want to go when i want to go there the time off i want to take So I kind of really enjoy what I'm doing. This. Um, You
2: own the truck that you're driving, or is it uh, you know kind of lease with it, or what?
5: Uh, A lease. Every three years, I trade it in and get a new truck, and that's that's worked pretty well uh, for you in terms of uh, income and everything. Yes, it's worked. It's worked very well. Uh, As I said, I go where I want, and where's the runs. Where am I going to make the money? Where am I going to do this? So it all works out great. And I love night driving. I don't like day driving.
2: Well, parking might not be as big a problem for, for you uh, uh, if you're uh, shut down during the day. Eh?
5: It used to be really good. You come in around 6 or 7 in the morning, and everybody's going to work. So there's 75% of the lot is empty. Now, because of the times on the ELDs, I'll pull in at eight at seven o'clock in the morning. There won't be a spot. Yeah, it's still full. Uh, eight o'clock in the morning, it's still full. Um, it's it's just getting out of hand. Same thing with uh, rest areas. Those things are last until seven, eight, nine o'clock in the morning before people are taking off. The rest area was 50% full when you'd come in at 6 or 7 in the morning. Now it's 75% full, but everybody's on the sides. The the lot is full. If If it holds 20 trucks, there's 75 there. They're in the back. They're in the front. They're on the ramp, on both sides of the ramp, and it's getting out of control.
2: We met down in uh, Dallas, and you had a you know, kind of what sounded kind of like a pretty novel um, uh, idea uh, on uh, how to how to take uh, available space out there and turn it into something useful for uh, truck drivers.
5: Uh, race tracks, motor speedway, NASCARs—they have a lot of spots that they're not using uh, unless it's a race day. Uh, it's already built. It's already got just about everything you need. You might need porta pots and a dumpster, but it looked like it was a lot of spots that weren't being used. Uh, as you mentioned, we talked about, or we mentioned Charlotte is letting people stay there for free because of the hurricanes. So I looked at that and I was looking, they've got a, a dirt track. They've got a, Um, the regular track they've got all kinds of track drag racing track and all of it has parking and the only place that from what i could tell by satelliting it was the camp area that they were using that they were letting people stay at which is really nice of them Uh, so i thought i go that would be a good place so i zoomed in on it and i saw all the parking that they had and i go that would that's exactly the idea that I, I'm looking for having trucks parked there when they're not busy with the racetrack. There seems to be the drag racing has a, a lot also uh, okay. that is solid. So there's different places around there. Um, not knowing the size and how much, it, how, how big it would be or how many vehicles would fit there, uh, it's something that I'd have to look into. Texas Motor Speedway has a full lot. The only green I ever saw in them was in the front when you drive by it on 35. Uh, Talladega went by there, and they've got a whole lot in the back. Uh, It's the hills there on the front, and that's where they park the cars, but where the RVs park. Um, So I, I think there's an idea around it. But trying yeah. to figure out which which ones will do it. Uh, I haven't been down to Daytona. I Plan on doing that to see what their area looks like.
2: It's pretty interesting. It's a totally interesting idea. It's something that you know, uh, in the right hands, um, you know, could could uh, could turn into something. Uh, would you do you envision it? Uh, I mean, if, let's say you're you're going to go out and you're going to pitch this to. To to one of the race tracks, or or pitch it to a a parking provider. I mean, there are some out there that sort of specialize in truck parking. I know they're few and far between, but um, yeah, how how do you how do you pitch it? Is it is it an idea where um, we're talking about uh, uh, you need pay pay a small fee to, to utilize the parking area? Uh, is it a free space? Is it? Uh, are there amenities around, or is it just uh, you know an access to, like you said, porta
5: potties, uh, a,
2: a dumpster out there for, for any trash kind of kind of situation?
5: I don't know. Do you... I, I really don't know how they would play it. Would they play it right. and say, "Hey, that's a great idea. We want the idea. It'll work," right. which wouldn't matter. <clears throat> I'd like to keep the price somewhere at f- at, at five dollars. Nothing more per truck right per day there's no reason that pilots need to charge you fifteen dollars for stuff that's already paid for
2: so it would be it'd be a, it'd be an opportunity to for for the uh the tracks or whoever's running the facility to make a little or, you know make a little, at least a little bit of money uh uh managing the the space uh, should it be utilized this way talk a little bit about the uh the attraction to this i mean uh the way you you know the way you might sort of sell it as it were. Um, I know you you mentioned something to me. I think when we were down there at uh, the Great American Trucking Show about the the sort of like hand in hand sort of uh, bread and butter sort of nature of uh, a relationship uh, between uh, NASCAR and the trucking industry.
5: Yeah, NASCAR and trucking go hand in hand. A lot of these tracks that I'm looking at now. 25 with Nat- 23 with NASCAR plus a bunch of other ones. I think I counted up now? the... No, they're not small. Uh, let's see, one in Ohio is only 17,000 seats. But okay, the one right, in right. Illinois is 78,000. And Florida down in Hempstead is 65,000 seats. So... I've looked at a lot of these that there's a lot of seats, so they've got to have some parking. Right. If you go half of the parking, it still looks like there's a lot of spots, dirt spots, grass spots, stuff like that. I still haven't researched that. Uh, right. It's something that I'm going to have to do, but yeah, it would go. I think a lot of truckers would like to, would like to have a, a good place to park at a decent price rather than parking on the side of the road so on the exit ramp so I- the
2: fact that it's uh you know that it's next to racetrack is uh, kind of a little added added sort of scenic bonus in a certain way for for some folks i know fans of the fans of the sport i guess
5: we'll get we'll get a cam- uh photographer out there to take a picture of the uh, the truck and the racetrack for sure
2: <laughs> That'd be part of the service, right? When you show up, you get your, uh, uh you, you pull into the gate, uh, stage your truck right next to the track, get a, get a picture with it, then go park, take a
3: rest.
5: <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do something. We'll, we'll look at something like that. In-field in, in parking. We'll, we'll work on that also. Right. There you go. There you go.
0: Perhaps parking capacity conditions are such that an idea like this has real possibility. Think of it along the same lines as the temporary and or mobile dining options in quote-unquote pop-up restaurants you hear so much about in urban areas today. Pop-ups truck parking sounds nice, but a sort of concierge-type service locally provided, as the Okaski also recommends, with potential for local food trucks and transport providers, health service providers, and others in the area to provide their services to travelers. All, he hopes, for reasonable price for truckers utilizing any such facility. Anybody listening who'd like to talk further about it, get in touch with Rodney Zielkowski directly via 281-740-2635 or via email at jazi5277 at potmail.com. You can always call us direct, too, via the Overdrive Radio podcast line, 530-408-6423. And until next time, stay safe out there.